Hi, guys. Welcome back to Steps to Sobriety. Today is another fantastic day for an interview. And today I have got Ian Price Murphy with me from Moxie Bookkeeping. Now, Ian is a woman who, like so many of my guests, has gone through hell and kept going. And her transformation is quite spectacular uh, because it really focuses on wealth and focuses on on those things that we can do to get our shit together, um, to lose our financial virginity and actually finally address those things, those those things that we that we often like to forget uh, the kind of little outgoings here. Let me do some more candy crush. Oh, I run out of lives. Kidding, $2.99. It's so cheap. Then you look, <laughs> end of the month. Oh, that's great. $500 in candy crush. Shit. <laughs> the problem is most people don't even look. So there's so many things happening in our life um, that we take for granted financially. And uh, on the contrary, then when, when it comes to actually looking at, at wealth in a positive way, most of us don't have the skills. So that's a neg- that's a really bad combo. It's like sort of the one, two, bang, bang. Um, and Ian and I want to look at that a bit closer today. So Ian, I'm so pleased that I've got you on my show today. Welcome to my show. Thank you. So Thanks much. for having me. I'm excited to be here. Ah, oh, brilliant. Uh, Ian, It when you were a younger girl, did you... Did you have a financial teaching? Did your parents? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> that laughter tells me already a lot. Uh, <laughs> Let's say that again. <laughs> okay, come on, tell us, tell us, girl. No. Uh, so my parents kind of grew up at other ends of the spectrum. My my mother grew up on a farm, relatively poor, and my dad grew up uh, with relative ease. And, um together they i mean i they had their money thing kind of worked out but they definitely didn't translate and so i their idea of financial education for me was to put me on an allowance when i was about 12 years old um with no information about it and they were actually giving me a hundred dollars a month when i was 12 which felt like a huge amount of money except I was buying my own toothpaste and shampoo and socks and, you know, tickets to movies and all of the things that my friends were doing. They just sort of said, here's how much you have, go handle it. And because there wasn't any guidance around that, and that was as far as the conversation went, I would do things like wear the same thing every day for 30 days so that I could afford to go to the movies with my friends. And I just learned a lot of very... um, bad habits and they did not increase that allowance uh even when i was in college when i was going to school they requested that i not work so that i could keep my grades up which was crazy of course i worked i think i was the only kid in college lying about you know if my parents called tell, tell them at the, i'm at the, tell them i'm out drinking don't tell them i'm working <laughs> you know like whatever it was and uh so i just never learned how to handle it. You know, the, 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 I was, you know, given the money and told work hard and you'll succeed, follow your passion and the money will come. And both of those are BS. <laughs> priceless. Oh, priceless. Um, it's interesting. So your parents, um, 
when they uh, married, uh, I assume because your dad had money, uh, your mum's income or uh, sorry, standard of living uh, changed, increased. So both of them were comfortable by the time you came around. Did your mum have cut ghosts, uh, ghosts from the past? Did she, she still does. Yeah. Uh, so she, um, they got married when she was 19. She was already living on her own, taking care of herself because her family did not really have any support for her. Mm. And so my dad's parents assisted them in a number of ways. They lived with my father's parents. Uh, you know, my father's parents helped him pay for his education. Um, mm. But very quickly... After I was born, I have an older sister, you know, my mother sort of decided that she did not like the life of a housewife. And she actually became a doctor and was going to medical school when I was growing up around the same time that my father, because it was the early 70s, decided he didn't want to be a professional anymore and became a jazz musician. So their circumstances <laughs> completely shifted. Um and then funnily enough, shifted again when they retired because my dad had, you know, a government pension and a naval pension and social security. And my mom had worked for herself for years. So now he's the one with the income again. So. Yeah. Okay. They, all over the show, basically. <laughs> and they're all over the place. And so am I. So. <laughs> and yeah. the beautiful thing is they, uh, they obviously work it worked for them and they they would consider them actually very much as hardworking uh people who have who have left their legacy and are proud for what they're doing um yet they were working hard have they learned how to make money work hard for them or is that still something that that i don't that know have, right? we don't discuss it we still don't discuss it we still, you know, they, they have it, they have their system figured out amongst themselves. Yeah. Um, but, but we, you know, my parents will not disclose to me what they, how they earn, what they earn, how they spend, what they spend. You're kidding. It's, yeah. No, still no, still no. Ha, ha, ha. Talk about belief systems that drive us uh, and that are underlying the emotions because obviously that is coming from somewhere and we probably could spend a whole interview just delving into that for crying out loud. Um, but it is uh, the reason I'm, I'm saying that is so many of us have got belief systems that were are driven into us at a very early stage. And now we are sitting there trying to make decisions with the new knowledge that we have found, et cetera. Yet the underlying kiddie kind of voices are, are still so prevalent and are either supporting or more, more likely than not destroying anything. The moment you make something, you say, ah, now I can go out and get myself a lolly. Ah. Or, uh, and that typically, the older we get, these lollies get really, really big, like a boat <laughs> or, or something like that. Um, or on the flip side is you finally make some money and then, this, it, uh, then you get this kind of money is bad money is is no 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 look at those wealthy over there oh no 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 yeah that's how the better half lives you get this kind of jealousy never certainly permutating my my uh, youth my my thing because we came from very poor circumstances and this is there was this constant twofold theme appearing a look at them over there ha huh. How will they? Uh, how do they? they uh, yeah. But it, it, the bottom line is then Then the next thing came. You don't need money to be happy. 
exactly the same parents were, yeah, my father was an industrial glass blower, so a blue collar through and through and going to work all the time. My mom, pretty much the same blue collar, um, yet they wanted to live like film stars. It was so much more important at that time for them to look good, to um, have that car where people say, wow, wow, he must be well off, regardless if it is bought with debts and, and regardless if, if actually not much money is around. This kind of bizarre dichotomy. Um, so I'm, these are the two things that I think I see in many people who have got so much flow on effects. And therefore, I wanted to figure out, you know, which kind of demons are going through your own head there when it came to to that. Yeah, I think for me, it was. um, Well, I think the ones that still stick around for me are the ones of it could all go at any moment that it doesn't matter what you earn. uh, It it only takes a, a, you know, one bad moment in life to wipe it all out. So I have never felt any financial security. Um, When I bought my first apartment was when I finally was like, I can never, like no one can ever evict me by raising my rate six times, you know, at the renewal lease. Like that's never going to happen to me again. My, my living uh, cost has now stabilized. And that was a huge relief for me um, and, and began to give me some stability. But when I get fearful, I still fall into, I don't think there will ever be enough. And I know that's not true. Uh So. Interesting. See, there is your belief, your, your little voice there. Yeah. It's very American depression. Right. Uh, And I think that was my mom's upbringing, you know. And we should never forget that please, because there is that, if we say, ah, oh, mom, why do you think like that? There is a damn good reason because yeah. the generation before us and those before us have got through some, through some times which make COVID feel, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and that's, that's bizarre to say out of a, the, the mouth of a doctor. Uh, it, but it is true. It is, we, we have not had, our generation have not had such a trauma to live through right and that is so important to realize uh and neither whilst we still have the stories from the elderly the problem is now the next generation had zilch trauma very little trauma oh my god i have got still an iphone 10 i'm disgusted i'm not worth living (laughs) you think fuck off honestly it is oh (laughs) so it is hard so it's interesting, but let's come to these generational uh, things a bit later. So here you were um, actually um, probably with good voices there because it's quite nice to actually focus on your, on your finances. So how, so here you were working uh, in, in high school and later uh, during your studies. So uh, same here, basically it was um, three nights a week during school. I was, I was working and stacking shelves and, and then later on I was working as a nurse at night and I was working as a, a studying as a doctor in the, uh, during the day. And that was normal for me. So what did you do? What were your, how did the money come in? Yeah. So my, my earliest work was in my mother's office. 
um, when she was, uh, she's a, a pediatrician. So I worked in her office rolling Q-tips and um, calling the files. And then my first job was uh, my freshman year in high school. Um, and I worked as a waitress, you know, and, and that was my primary work from then on was waitressing and bartending, um, you know, to have access, but I still, you know, I, I didn't have a car. I didn't have many of the things that my peers had. My parents just said, you know, we're not going to pay for your driver's education. You can just test in at 18, like everybody else. And I was mm. like, okay, like everybody else isn't a thing. Mm. <laughs> right? Like That's mm. not what everybody else is doing, first of all. Mm. So, you know, so I was really left to be relatively independent when I was 15. I still had a place I could live if I chose to, um, which I usually chose not to. I usually chose to stay with other people. And I actually went away to, to school for my last year of school. Um, so I felt like it was, you know, it was my job to figure things out uh, you know, at mm. 16, 17. And so that was what I spent my time doing. And wow. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, just working and trying to make things fit together and never, you know, I, I, of course always knew as I think everyone does, you have to make more than you spend, but I was always so chronically underemployed that that just never really happened. That again, you know, while I was in college and had a place to live, um, I was kind of barely scraping by. But the moment that I lost housing, that I lost housing that was paid for, and certainly as soon as I lost my health insurance, you know, there was no way that I could um, earn a living wage without a plan. And I definitely did not have a plan. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, you know, I was, I was temping at offices during the day and bartending and waitressing at night, but you know, you can work a 12 hour shift. And if people aren't tipping that night, you go home with $3 and, you know, and, and the hourly wage for tipped employees was, I think it, it may have been a dollar 20 at the time. And it's still like $2 and 50 cents. It's, it's shockingly low. Yeah. It's, it's not livable. It's absolutely not livable. And so again, I, you know, I thought, well, I'm working as hard as I can. It must be me. And I didn't realize, you know, that like, and, and I just didn't have any guidance of where to, how to go forward, you know, other than like go back to school, which I really didn't want to do or get a, get a really traditional career, which I really didn't want to do. So I thought, well, I just have to, you know, other people find a way to make it work. I'll find a way to make it work. And of course, credit cards were the way to make it work. <laughs> and so when I declared bankruptcy, which was in my mid twenties, I had uh, multiple tens of thousand dollars of credit card debt where my min you know, I could barely afford my minimum payment. Um, I'd already paid the principal multiple times and was no smaller on the debt. And, you know, I was living in a four bedroom apartment with seven people. Like I was not, I was not overspending. I, what was on my credit card was gas and groceries, but, you know, cause I was using that to bridge every cash flow gap. And, and because they charge 25% interest, which is unholy, <laughs> uh, yep. I, there was just, I was, I was shooting myself in the foot and didn't, I just didn't have any guidance. 
Interesting. When did that change? How did it change? What was the catalyst? Um, the catalyst was, I think that I had run out of options of, <clears throat> you know, I had been, every time I got a new offer for a six months at 0%, I would switch everything to that. And uh, I had finally uh, been uh, in debt for so long that those offers stopped coming. I had already negotiated down every credit card I could to uh, the minimum payment. And I couldn't keep up with the minimum payments. Uh, um, and I think, I think there was something, I mean, I just kind of knew that it wasn't working. And, uh, and the, there was some talk in the California legislature at the time of, or maybe the federal, I can't remember, of changing the laws of who's eligible to be bankrupt. Uh, and at that time, my mother said to me, you know, you should, you should really think about filing for bankruptcy. And I was so shocked to hear that from her because I felt like, you know, my word is my bond. And if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And, you know, my integrity is all I have. And, um, and that was always really supported by, by both of my parents. And so it, it felt a little shocking to, to have her say that and feel like it was such a 180 on what I'd always been taught. And it wasn't until she sort of walked me through, right? 25% interest is impossible. And if you look at how much you've paid, you've already paid them back multiple times. It's time to stop, you know, and, and they're corporations. It's not like you're stiff in a mom and pop joint for what you owe them. Mm. This is, you know, American mm. Express and Visa. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And at the time, that was really the permission that I needed. Um, and I'm... So, you know, grateful at this end of it that, that I was given that uh, slap in the face by the universe so early and that it was personal mm. and, and not business because a lot of people get it so much later with mm. so much more devastating consequences, you know? Mm. I mean, I wasn't going to do anything for the next 10 years anyways. It wasn't like buying a house was in my future or that I, you know, I wasn't, that was not my mm. scene. So I was, you know, I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need a credit report for, for another seven to 10 years anyways. But what a beautiful guidance. So here were your parents not actually um, saying, ah, oh, come on, darling, I pay it all for you. No, they were hard nosed bastards, actually. Um, but in a good way, tough love, uh, basically. You're a big girl. You made your own decision. Now, okay, you, you deal with the consequences. There's something to be said about that. There is something to be said about that. Not that I subscribe to it, but I can understand where they were coming from. I can too. I think, I think the problem for me is that was the exact message that I had heard my whole life. You make your own decisions and then you deal with the consequences. Mm. But suddenly she was saying someone else should deal with the consequences, right? Bankruptcy uh, should deal with the consequences. And that was why, like, again, without her, um, input, I don't know that I would have been able to make that decision so swiftly. Um, and I think it really like that kind of shook the snow globe for me of like, well, what else are you saying that only works some of the time, right? Like, uh, oh, uh, work uh, hard uh, and you'll uh, succeed. Uh, Duh. Uh, that one doesn't work uh, very well. Uh, 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 so it was, uh, it was a good it. moment for me. It was a good moment. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, the dark night of the soul and the, the <laughs> exactly. walk of shame and guilt. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Very powerful emotions. Um, how did you deal with those emotions? 
Um, well, I mean, I think that I, I negotiated like many people do and made a deal with myself that, you know, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to be in debt again. And it was the one area of life that I really held myself to. Um, you know, there were lots of other places in life that I did chose not to examine quite so closely at that time. (laughs) But I, I did say, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that if, if I have to live, I can afford to live on what I have now, not what's coming tomorrow or what might come. And that's been true. You know, that was what started my journey of learning about kind of how money works. And um, I found that I had a proficiency for bookkeeping and that it was something that I enjoyed and was good at and that not a lot of people enjoy it (laughs) at all. And so that sort of became my self-funded education where I could learn about everybody else's small business, get multiple points of view while I was learning about, you know, income expenses, et cetera. And it, it, uh, it, and that's what brought me where I am today, you know? So I, I, how cool is that? The best of it. Yeah. And I guess your learning curve started with uh, truly, looking and basically taking a a brutal inventory of what was going on in your life. So when people say you really need to have a budget with that means that you have to sit down and really actually tease apart what the hell is going on. Where is your money going? Because that's often far more a problem than uh, how can I earn more Um, to earn more? Yeah, there are ways to do that, but uh, it starts with where's actually the money going? And sometimes there are times and decisions in your life where you just have to say, okay, it is what it is. There might not be something necessarily due to you. So if you have just gone through a very nasty divorce and you're paying alimony and and things like that, well, thank you very much. There is the majority of your money going. This is this was, this, this was the consequence of the decision of divorce. So here you go. You can't do anything about that. Um, or indeed, there are other circumstances like that where indeed I found myself. My parents uh, brought them across from Germany and uh, we bought them a nice, lovely house being close to us, etc. Because that's what I wanted to do for family reasons. I wanted to reunite my family. Um and it all went terribly pear-shaped and actually very, very, very expensive. Uh, I'm so sorry. I, yeah, exactly, please. Oh. But these are the, the guilt kind of things where you have to uh, deal with your own demons, but you, you think you're doing the right thing at the time, uh, but you're paying a hell of a tuition fee um, for that. This is life. This is, yes. this is what happens, okay? But, but yeah, okay, so we'll accept that, that there are sometimes there are, there are things that out there that put you into financial strain. What I never realized is really, this is normal. Shit will happen, full right. stop. <laughs> so you might as well prepare for it. You might as well actually learn to, to expect shit to happen and have a plan B, plan C plan d and that is where most people i know fall over they don't have that um it is 
oh, they have many, many, many uh, uh, little words for people. Um, two people, uh, no kids, uh, dual income, dinks. dink, dinks, for example. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it is for them, their life is basically, oh, look what we make, what beautiful money we make. Let's go nuts. Okay. And you ask them, oh, great, great. You know, what are your assets? Oh, well, I've got a boat, I've got a car, I've got a house. And you think, no, no, I've asked you about your assets. What do you mean? What do you mean? I've just told you. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. So, things changed because you suddenly saw where other, other people actually, um, how they did things well. And probably uh, many of them, how they not did things so well. Uh, yeah. you, got, you went to accountancy school? I did so, not. No, I actually not. did not. No, I learned. I learned on the job. So I, I, I was taught by an accountant, uh-huh. and then I became a freelance bookkeeper because, unfortunately, or fortunately for me, yeah. there is no requirement to be a bookkeeper. None. Interesting. No professional designation. You just say you are, and you are. Fuck. And uh, yeah, I know. I know. Okay, that's Wild West. Uh, yes. Yes, <laughs> okay. it is. And I, so thankfully I had some great relationships with some tax people who yeah. could help guide me. And when I had a question, uh-huh. because I, I really, when I started, I didn't, you know, I only knew what I knew. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That opens a complete new discussion here, but uh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, it is more, I want to be pro, uh, constructive and want to say, well, okay. What did you learn? What was your first breakthrough as far as your own your own aha moments came? I mean, honestly, my big aha moment was nobody has this figured out. Here are all these small businesses that look so successful from the outside. Uh-huh. But when I open up their books, they are not. They are deeply disorganized. They're, they have no idea what their cash flow is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're showing profit on paper, but there's nothing left in the bank. Um, And all of these kind of classic things, which, you know, which I was also had just seen in my personal life. Mm. And so it was very easy for me to to sort of bring that um, understanding and compassion forward. I think a lot of bookkeepers have this very task focused mentality. You're doing it wrong. Mm. And like, that's not what people want to hear. Sure, sure. <laughs> Even if it's true, and, yeah. you know, they need to have some, some gentleness around that and some understanding. Empathy, compassion. And it's so important how people make you feel to buy yeah. in, to do the hard steps and the hard work yourself. If someone treats you like an idiot, even if you are an idiot, um, it's still not nice. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> very truly spoken there, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, how well? What? How do you go about it then? You want to say you are an idiot? No, you're not one idiot. You you are you're a numbnut. I mean, my goodness, there are no words for you. So that's the the internal monologue that goes in your head. Um, no, not at all. Because I, I, because I was there, right? Yeah. So I know I know that you're not an idiot. I know that this is not something that you good feel like is the best use of your time, and you're probably right. I know that this is not your skill set. 
And uh, of course you're right about that. It, you know, if you thought it was, yeah. you'd be right too. Yeah. And I know that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's something that like, I think 93% of Americans have math anxiety. And I assume that's similar statistic for other countries uh-huh. or maybe we're just special. Who knows? <laughs> No comment. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> Don't say <a> word. <laughs> no, I think but, it's quite. It does quite real. Uh, I think it is. Uh, too many people have no idea about the reality. The mm-hmm. reality. It's just the money comes in somehow, and then it magically goes out somehow. And that's about. And as- so, right. And so, you know, coming from someone who did not have that education, this is not a. This is not a natural talent. Right. This is a skill to be learned. And because it was a skill that I had to learn, again, I feel like I don't I don't have any preconceived notions that people should be doing anything other than making a mess. Mm. Right. Imagine if I told you to build an Ikea bookshelf and didn't give you the instructions. It's going to look a little funny. Or or Mm. if I said, you know, how dare you not know how to drive a manual car? Well, mm. no one ever showed me. Like, I kind of get the gist. Mm. I can get in there, but I'm going to mm. kill that clutch and transmission really fast. That's that's all it is. A learned mm. a learned skill that we haven't learned yet. Nice. And so, nice. you know, I that's kind of my whole thing is to try to to remove the shame that people put on themselves. <sighs> that is often, unfortunately, echoed whether on purpose or not by the professionals around them. Nice. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Because it is, there is, money is very emotional. And for, that was one of the first questions I asked, you know, what are the belief systems underlying? And every one of us has got different belief systems that drive us and often drive us in the wrong direction. And that is what it is to actually explore that. And in a gentle, compassionate way, well, that is a huge, huge start if you can achieve that. But with that, you also need to, to say uh, you need to have someone willing to actually do have a very good look at the money to start off with. Regrettably, yeah. that comes when the money problems are about there and they can barely breathe so uh, regrettably most of us don't do it until it's absolutely hitting us in the face which is a bit, yeah. a bit late mm, that's, say. that's what we do as humans right <laughs> wait Same until here. the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of oh or the other way around beautifully yeah. said beautifully said so okay so here you are as a bookkeeper you're learning to to get the balance right in your own life and now you're starting to implement it with others um and it, it, that's the first step isn't it a good inventory and then try to see do you really need all those outgoings or is there actually a way that you can deal with that and that's that's a really good thing to start with um the outgoings uh then see what is the the incomes and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you can tweak that up. But ultimately, at one stage, sooner rather than later, it's time to actually really look the, the, the situation in the face. And then it comes to restructuring of debt. That is often the very first thing that you do, isn't it? Is, that my, is my assumption correct? Yeah. I mean, I think if there is a fair amount of debt, then yes, we want to make a plan for it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even before that, 
the question that I tend to ask is how much do you want to bring home? Mm. Because that helps me focus the entire conversation around mm. that very concrete goal. Mm. Um, you know, and not how much would you like in your wildest of dreams to break home or what is the bare minimum yeah. that you can bring home, but, but what would actually be comfortable? Like let's mm. aim for something that feels reasonable and comfortable and not, you know, too far in one direction or another, mm. because once I know what your income, your desired income is, that's how we can check and see if we've cut expenses as far back as we reasonably can usually the next thing to do is to raise prices. And that's part of that same money conversation, right? Why aren't you charging more? Mm -hmm. Almost everybody's undercharging, you know, and that's because they're usually the ones sacrificing. Well, I don't need to take home that much. I'd rather, you know, have a greater impact than be paid well. And I say, those are, that's not a choice. That's not an either or choice. Mm -hmm. Those two things go together. You will have greater impact once you have a comfortable standard of living. And that includes addressing debt. And what we really need to stress by the time that, that people involve you, it is often the time that they're so full of guilt and shame that these, these negative emotions drive us to even worse decisions. Like you said yourself, oh, I can't declare myself bankrupt. Oh my God, that's not me. And you've got the belief system hitting in there. Oh, and you, we have to deal with that. So I love it that there's empathy and that there is that there is this compassion there from, from someone who has been in, in not so nice circumstances. Cool. So at the moment, we are still working on the balance sheet and you're sort of sorting that out. Sooner or later, then um, we are moving beyond the balance sheet. Is that something you do? And is that something that you advise people uh, in? Um, is that is the role of the bookkeeper in, in your setting confined to bookkeeping? Or is it actually, okay, by the way, now let's talk, let's talk about making your money earned for you. Yeah, so I don't do um, investment stuff. I don't do a lot of personal finance. I work mostly with small businesses and entrepreneurs. Mm. And it's funny because, you know, the word accounting is such a catch-all word. It's like mm. saying doctor, yeah. but you know, are exactly. you talking about a, a dermatologist or are you talking about a professor of poetry, right? Both called doctor. So, so being able to sort of clarify, because again, from a consumer or patient perspective, you're like, but it's still my body. You're like, I know, but you're talking about your elbow hurting and that's not the kind of doctor. I'm not a joint guy. And, and, but it's, but it's still my body. I don't get it. I know you don't get it, but, but I need you to come with me on this, right? Like, let's get you to the specialist. Exactly. So I think of myself as a, as a generalist, nice. but I definitely do more than bookkeeping because mm. bookkeeping has really been automated a lot with software mm. in the last few years in a way that's really great to see. Mm partly because it lets me move into the more advisory role. Yeah, beautiful. So bookkeeping is really from the data entry, which you or your VA can do pretty easily, your virtual assistant, up through 
here's your financial reports, your profit and loss, your balance sheet, your cash flow statement. Do they look right? And mm. do you understand what they mean? Mm. And do you understand what to do about it? Mm. If you say, no, I don't understand what to do about it. The person to help you is not a bookkeeper. It's a CFO really, but very few small enterprises have a CFO. Mm. And uh, a lot of the people that I work with don't uh, resonate with the corporate jargon CFO. Mm. So I will- So it's a chief financial officer. Yeah. That's CFO. Yeah. Yeah. So I will often refer to myself sort of jokingly as a pocket CFO. Um, (laughs) But I prefer the term bookkeeper because it's just a little cozier, right? People kind of know that it's the the day-to-day money stuff. So where I've gone in, in my career was, you know, after really nailing down my, my bookkeeping skill set, what I noticed was every business owner would ask me, okay, but what can I afford? And I'd say, I don't know, that's not bookkeeping. So they'd turn to their tax accountant and say, what can I afford? And the tax accountant would say, that's not what I do. And sometimes they would try to answer, but not really. Uh-huh. And so there was this big gray area in the middle that was actually the most crucial information from the perspective of the business owner. Mm. And so that's sort of where I live now is, you know, our best work starts when we're just double checking the work that's already been done Mm. for data entry. And then saying, you know, now that the books are correct, what do we want to do about them? Both what are your goals, whether Mm. it's paying down debt, paying yourself more, hiring someone on your, on your team or giving them a raise, making sure that it's in line with what a healthy business Mm. does and making sure that your business is actually rewarding you through quarterly bonuses Mm. to say, you know, this, this extra money that we've proven that we don't need to spend to survive. Mm. uh, We're going to set some of it aside for emergency funds and you're going to take some of it and go reward yourself for being a business owner Mm. and, and to build that habit back in. Cause I think we've really, lost sight of that, right? We we have been drawn into living for our businesses rather than our businesses supporting us. <laughs> the, se- the disease of being self-employed. Indeed. <laughs> so that's true. And and those of you out there who are in a, in a paid job, uh, every single thing that we are saying is of equal importance to you because you're you 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 are a human being, but you are also a business. You're also actually living by the same rules. You just don't know it. It is still the same thing to be to hold yourself accountable to your financial incomings, outgoings, to actually know about that. That's the key thing. And that's why so many people, especially those who are maybe in in uh, who started out on a poorer socioeconomic uh, level, they often are so knee deep in trouble where literally there is there is very little wriggle room. And then you have got all the flow and effects of uh, frustration that might boil over into uh, family violence that might uh, have all then the problems of addiction that, that the last few few dollars you have got, you rather want to use to forget about your own reality rather than actually deal with the underlying problem that is fueling your frustration 
and your hunger, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly expensive to be poor. There is no question. Oh, beautifully right? said. All of the late fees, all of the penalties, all of the, you know, if you don't have a checking account, waiting in line at the check cashing place, like just mm. the the cost in both real dollars and time and energy and mm. peace of mind is outrageous mm. and designed to be so. What did you mean with the last statement, designed to be so? I think that's the point, right? The point is the credit card companies don't charge 25% interest because they need it. They charge 25% interest because they can. And, you know, they know that if you're in debt, you'll stay in debt. Mm. And so it's their way of ensuring, unless you take a dramatic step, mm. that they're going to be earning on you for the rest of your life. Exactly right. Guys, did you listen to that? That was a key, uh, key little piece of information there. In actual fact, if you are uh, very conscientious and you pay off your credit card every month, your credit rating drops because they are saying, nah, nah, he is too good in money. We can't make money out of him. So therefore, nah, 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 nah. He's, he's not good to us. That's a fact because the, the banks are out there to make money. And they make money from you. However nice the bank manager or your account manager is, or however nice the, the girl behind the till is, nah, okay? they're there to make money, full stop. So therefore, please, please, please accept it for what it is. And and I loved it what you said earlier. Uh, you don't have to feel guilty towards Visa uh, when you declare bankruptcy. <laughs> that was a beautiful saying there. No, you have already uh, financed one or two or three case managers there uh, or, or a software update. You paid that yourself. Okay, so time to actually park the ego to the side. Have a really hard look at yourself with the help of someone who can guide you, someone like Ian. And that is so important because you don't know what you don't know. So you need to have someone on your side to actually look at that. Now, it sorry, Ian, you first. I was going to say the other thing that I think is so important about guidance is, you know, one of the things that most of us really still struggle with is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, it's not just an emotional, money's not just emotional, it is overwhelmingly negative emotional. And that can be a huge trigger for a lot of people. <laughs> and so if you, you know, it, even taking that giant first step of just saying, I'm going to look, I'm going to open the envelope that has my bank statement in it mm. can be truly overwhelming for some. And so I know that this is a, a program about sobriety. And so before, you know, if you are in financial trouble, before you, pay for a consultant like me, you know, DA, Debtors Anonymous is a fantastic re free resource out there that has the structure and accountability to help people get to where they can begin to take some of those stronger steps on their own. And I would always make sure if you're paying for something, you're very clear why you're paying for it and what the return you expect to see on it. Mm -hmm. 
Adeptus Anonymous. Anonymous. I had no idea uh, in New yeah. Zealand. I don't think I'm. I'm not aware of any Adeptus Anonymous. Uh, although you have to start it, a chapter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the sobriety. That's exactly yeah. my my book, and it will be re-released in its second edition next month. So this is thank you, and in there. I actually described the 12 step program uh, as you being um, you talking to a friend and you both are in the same business. Your business is humming. His business is absolutely tanking. And he comes to you and says, well, okay, you know what, how the hell can you do it so successfully? And I'm not. And what you would do is I would come across to his business, have a have a coffee. And let's say we're both in restaurants. Then I would basically sit down in the front, order a few items from the menu, look around, check it out, then taste the menu and go behind the scenes, look at what's happening. That's the inventory. That's basically step four in AA. You're going in there, brutal inventory, really looking at things. And then you're basically talking about it. And that is the step five. Then you're actually uh, starting to do something about it. You're implementing things. So that's the next steps. And then finally, you've thrown out some of the menu items that no one is buying and they're very expensive to keep. You um, actually focus on what is really going well and sprucing that up. You're maybe automating, you're doing this, that. So this is basically the micro habits and the, the changes that you implement. Down the line, you think, wow, okay, we have really made a change. Now you go back to your customers and say, look, guys, we have been going through a bit of a funny time. Um, guys, come back to us because we have changed and uh, our new menu is amazing. And because uh, you have been such loyal customers, uh, we give you 30% off your next meal or the first meal that you come back in, or here's a voucher, free drinks or something like that. So you make amends. And then down the line is, okay, let's, let's make sure that we're heading right way. You do quality assurance and see that you're doing well. And down the line, you're doing actually well. And now it's time that you say, wow, what a journey. And I actually want to give some of that back. And I want to, to share my things. So I, I open up uh, on a Wednesday morning for other restaurateurs to come in, have a coffee, have a chat about all the shit that is going on in their life. And so you go full circle and you become now the mentor. Yeah. That's a 12-step program. Yep. Yet it is exactly what you are actually doing. <laughs> You're setting them on the first five, six steps. Uh, and that's so beautiful. And that's what we need. That's what we need, the willingness to accept that, first of all, we are all not right. <laughs> we are all, uh, all perfectly imperfect. And when it comes to, to, to money, oh, some of us are so perfectly imperfect. <laughs> it's no longer funny. <laughs> so, but you have to accept it. You have to, to, to grab the bull by its horns. And I yep. think that's where it all starts off with. Oh, beautiful, Ian. Beautiful, because the, these are all the things. So what today was really a beautiful summary of the, the first steps that you need to take to really get yourself to become aware 
of what is really going on in your life. And that's the hugest first step. That's so brilliant. And then once you have got all the other things that we have discussed about, then you actually say, okay, now then, that at least I know I've got a plan that you might find, wow, actually with just simple steps, you have already taken so much of that, oh, that, that the pressure of you that you suddenly can see glimmers of hope. Oh, that's, that's what this show does. We're all about hope. <laughs> and, and Ian, thank you so much, because that is exactly what you are delivering. You are actually, you are, you're like the dentist who pulls that, that painful tooth. So there's hope at the end. It is a mental rectoscopy um, to actually have, have an accountant uh, going over your, your a bookkeeper going over your, your finances. It is painful. Um, but it is actually beautiful and you have to, and to, it doesn't have to be painful. I don't think it has to be painful. I mean, again, I think you can experience it as painful because mm. you, you don't want to see the, the black and white proof of the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if That's you can what I'm let, referring to. Yeah. <laughs> you can let go of that and just say, uh, you know, we're just going to, we're going to uh, look at this because I don't yeah. care what happened in the past. Yeah. Right. I care about how are we fixing this for tomorrow so that you don't ever uh, have to go through this again. Exactly. And that's so beautiful. But now let me, let me, so that is, that is what Ian does. And that is what Moxie <laughs> Bookkeeping uh, is doing. Her, her beautiful, beautiful journey that led her to here and how she can help you guys. I mean, that is, that is brilliant. And I mean, how can, get, how can get people hold of you? Um, where, what are your details? Yeah, the, uh, the website is the easiest way to find me, which is moxiebookkeeping.com. And I'll let you show, spell that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, we have a bunch of information there. Again, we're, we are based in the US. Um, I'm in California, but you know, Maybe we'll do a retreat in New Zealand. Ah, <laughs> that is, that's fun. That's, you're, you're most welcome. So Rotorua is a fantastic place. You have to come and I, I give you the guided tour uh, behind the wonderful. scenes. So it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. But for that, you have to get your financial background sorted. <laughs> getting, 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 getting in. Um, soon, hopefully, the, the issue with COVID is, is, is a different issue. It, it must must soon turn around 2020 and 2021. We're not we so hope. nice. Well, we exactly. Let's get all these bloody vaccines in into absolutely <laughs> everyone. And then maybe we have got a chance of actually surviving. Uh, but what I was really trying to dangle in front of you out there, you guys, once you have done the basic steps that are so fundamentally important, fundament i mean you've laid the foundation with those steps then thereafter and only thereafter can you actually start looking at your own relationship with money and actually treat the money for what it is a means of making more money is not something that passively sort of drops into your lap and then passively sort of goes out it should play a very active role. It should be working for you. And that is where then financial advice comes in, where then you have to say, well, okay, how can I get a better return for my investment? Uh, that means that you have to invest, that you actually have to think, okay, what are my options? I could put it in a savings account or not. 
um, because what you get for there, your inflation is typically far more than the savings that you get. So forget that. But what was to happen if I actually invest in a property? How much would that really cost me? And, you know, how do I go about that? That's its own complete journey there. Other people uh, think that that shares might be the way to go. Well, that's cool. Learn about shares and learn about those kind of things. And there are many other ways of investing out there. And investing is not a dirty word. It is, uh, it is a word where you have learned to make your money work for you. And that is smart, smart looking after so you yes you can go to work if you want to um but it's more for your own benefit or for your own satisfaction but your money is actually working in the background for you and you at one stage the money is working so well that you actually come to a point that you don't have to work anymore and you're still uh keeping the same standard of living and that's defined as wealth wouldn't that be nice but guys without having a bookkeeper, without going to the very basics, what we've discussed today. There's no way in hell that you that you can do that. So get your, get your head out of the clouds and come back down to real life and time to find someone compassionate and, and loving um, who, who helps you to see the reality. And that is what today is all about. So a very down-to-earth Survival Tuesday uh, topic today, the, the very intimate and sometimes the fraught relationship with money. And that's for that, Ian, I'm so grateful that you joined me today. This was a fantastic interview. Um, thank you so much for all your insights and for your honesty talking about your own, your own distant past. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Now, fantastic. You guys out there, look after yourself because life is the short. And yes, there's all, all these things happening around us, but it all starts with, with you stepping off the hamster wheel and actually just taking a few moments and think, okay, what do I need to focus on? And for most of us, it would suit you really well if you actually for a little while focus on the money, not in going crazy, but actually stepping back and saying, okay, where are we at? And that is the most powerful baseline from which you can start moving forward, regardless where you are in a very minus department or maybe not so bad, actually, in a neutral. But it only can get better. That's as simple as that. So what have you got to lose? Exactly. I can't hear it either. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Ian Price Murphy, thank you so much for your time. And you guys out there, look after thank yourself. You. Bye.